Sycamores Making History is brought to you by the Department of History at Indiana State University in Terre Haute, Indiana. Hosted by Caleb Fleshner, a Terre Haute attorney and 2012 history alum, the podcast highlights the stories and contributions of students, faculty, alumni, and friends of the ISU Department of History. Thank you for joining us. Well, welcome. We are here for our next podcast of Sycamores Making History. We're here to honor uh, graduating seniors as well as to highlight uh, our wonderful faculty with the Department of History. And today we have two guests. We have uh, Professor Ann Foster, and then we also have graduating senior uh, David Vickers. Uh, So would you uh, both, would you like to introduce yourself and then we can kind of just go on from there. Uh, I guess I'll start since you started with me. So this is Ann Foster, and um, I'm Associate Professor of History and wear a bunch of other hats. Maybe we'll talk about those as we go along. And um, I've been at ISU since 2003, so it seems like a long time. I realized playing one of those Facebook games where you list all the places you've lived, I have now lived in Indiana longer than I've lived in any other single place, and I've moved a lot. So this kind of was... (laughs) <laughs> that was kind of rev- revelatory to me, um, but I really uh-huh. enjoy it, and I'm glad to be here talking with you. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, David, you want to go ahead? Yeah, um, I'm a graduating senior this semester. Um, uh, I'm really not uh, taking any classes this semester, but I had some problems last semester and and uh, got it all worked out, and so I'm graduating. But uh, yeah, I come to ISU um, from retired army, and I um, got a uh, associate's degree in gunsmithing at Wabash Valley College, and then switched to history at ISU. Wonderful. Well, first of all, David, thank you very much for your service. We we really do appreciate that, and we also appreciate you being here with us here today. Um, as I said in the beginning, we kind of wanted to highlight our graduating seniors because due to the COVID outbreak, you know, we commencement's been canceled and we, we can't really honor you as much as we would like to. So David, I will kind of start with you. Uh, you had indicated uh, you were retired army, got your associate's degree from Wabash Valley College. What ultimately led you to Indiana State? What Tell us a little background that uh, why you chose Indiana State and ultimately why did you choose to study history? Well, I mean, history and Indiana State, you know, it wasn't um, my military service. I was a combat infantryman, and I got injured in Iraq with a brain. I have a brain injury, and and so I really like working with my hands, and that helped with gunsmithing. It was a more machining thing, so I, you know, lays and mills, and that helped. But intellectually, I was you know, not feel I was exercising my mind and, you know, helping my brain injury. And I've always liked history. And um, one moment that really, like, made me feel history internally was um, I was in uh, Missoula, and on the Nineveh ruins we had an OP post, and that is just ancient. And you could just almost feel like history radiating you know, the and when I say history, I mean people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can, that kind of just spurred me to like, I need to study more and I need to use my brain more. ISU, I'm from Vincennes, so 
I'm married, I have two kids, I can't, you know, go all over the country for school. I had to look around um, for schools that were in commuting distance and things like that. But ISU drew me because when you look at, like, what professors they have and what they teach, there was so much different perspectives, you know, and it wasn't just American history that I could study. It, it was all kinds, and, and that's what really drew me to ISU. Wonderful. And Dr. Foster, it seems, and, and David, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, that what seems have shaped his worldview or his, his view of, of history was his time serving overseas. Uh, was there a time in your life, Dr. Foster, or an experience that shaped your worldview or kind of pushed you to want to study history and ultimately teach it? So I also had an experience sort of, of going overseas as part of what motivated me to study history in the, my junior year study abroad was in Vienna, Austria. And, and that's, first of all, a very historical place. And so we were surrounded by notions of history all the time there with the buildings and the uh, architecture. Vienna was the the former head of the Habsburg Empire, and that history was sort of alive in everything that we saw. Um, and they celebrate their art and their opera and that, and the, you know, the boys choir even, right? Mm -hmm. We saw all of these things that sort of, these historical things that you've been hearing about in some fashion your whole life. Um, but then there was the, this moment of sort of feeling like we participated in a major historical event too, because I was there in the spring of 1986 when Chernobyl blew up. And those are geographically not that far away, actually, um, if you look on a map. And the the radiation didn't much come over us. It mostly went to the north, but we, we were alerted three days after the fact that perhaps um, it would not be wise to play in the grass and not be wise to pet any pets that had been outside in the last three days, and anyone who had kids was encouraged not to let their children play outside. That was sort of disconcerting coming three days later, since mm -hmm. most people had done those things in this, you know, spring weather. Um, but, but for us then, also, we didn't receive any fresh food for most of the rest of the time I was there, because Vienna gets its food from its former empire in Eastern Europe, which then that food was all radiated and couldn't be exported. So that sort of prompted me to think, um, even even as a 21-year-old, about how um, his, history was affecting actually how we were living at that moment, right? The relationships that Vienna had with its former empire were still alive in its food distribution network. Mm -hmm. um, and, then it, and then the feeling of participating in a historical moment um, sort of made it feel even more real to me. So I had gone to college with the idea that I was going to study um, foreign relations and become a diplomat. Um, and a lot of things prompted me to start to move away from that, but but that was certainly one of the most important of them. Um, okay. So not quite as dramatic as, as David's uh historical examples, but um, it was really important for me in thinking about studying history. Okay. And David, ultimately, um, you know, Dr. Foster obviously went into academia. She, you know, she's teaching in a college. What is your hope that uh, an ISU degree in history will lead you to? What's your ultimate 
uh, goal to do is you know once you've graduated well m my goal was never to um you know get a degree and a job i, I get retirement um um you know i i wasn't in it for like academic like gains or anything i was mm -hmm. in it to for knowledge for personal growth to build relationships Wonderful. and and so I'm not quite sure where a Indiana degree will lead me, um, so I'm not like, you know, needing work or needing a job or, you know, so I'm a different student than probably all the other students when it comes to degrees. Now, if I, you know, if I'm going to recommend a history degree to someone, I'm going to say, you're going to have to think outside the box with the history bachelor's degree because it gives you lots of skills. It gives you lots of um, research and thinking and knowledge that you can apply to almost any other job if you sell yourself. So, I mean, it's, it's a very opening degree if you think of it that way. Can I just jump in? I, I had David in class, in an upper-level class, and... His attitude, which is that I'm here to learn because I want to learn these things um, for their own sake, which I, I hope I'm representing you correctly, but he he was almost infectious in with the other students who were much more sort of career, um, more, I would say worried about their careers maybe or mm -hmm. concerned as they approach the end of their studies. And they were reminded by David of like why they came into this program you know, because they really love history. So it was, it was refreshing. So I, I appreciated his presence in our class. Well, no, that's wonderful. Cause I, I, in most of my history classes, and even when I went to law school, mo inevitably 99% of them are just worried about their career, worried about what's, you know, happening. So that, that does is very refreshing. And, and David, obviously you are not the traditional student that would come through, um, ISU. Is there, any particular advice you would give to people that are thinking about Indiana State and you would recommend Indiana State uh, for them well, to continue I, their college career? I, I definitely would recommend it, and I would recommend history. And the advice I'd give to a new history freshman would be to, number one, you know, speak up in class, talk in class, ask questions in class, don't hide in class because you're paying to get an education. The instructors are the most genuine people that are going to help you in any way you can. they can. They're going to give you so much opportunity to grow and learn, um, but also connect with other history students. Hang out in the history office, um, you know, the history student's office. Uh, just, you know, get active as a history student, not just go to class. And you will develop relationships with other students, with your professors that are, you know, just as valuable as the knowledge you gain. Um, and so I, I think ISU is perfect for that because it's not too big where you get lost in a classroom. And especially the upper division courses, they're very personal and they're very open to, to use, you know, to learn kind of how you need to learn or want to learn. And like I, like with Dr. Foster's class, I would use other professors, you know, sources and things and help build on those to 
to work in her world world empires class and it just all it all works together if you're very open to the process and really just get involved great and and to kind of lead you know piggyback off of that um dr foster you know my time at indiana state and and for david as well you know the history department i feel is one, is one of the best in the country um, many i've stayed close friends with many of my professors many of my classmates uh dr foster what what is good about the history department or why would you encourage someone to ultimately choose to study history at indiana state um so i i think David is perceptive in sort of understanding that the, the I think the department is the perfect size department in terms of, um, you know, we're about 15 full-time faculty. And so people can really know each other as faculty and really know each other as students. Um, but it's also a big enough faculty that we do have this diversity of approaches and study. So for Indiana State itself, I think it's... Um, it's, it's this great sort of in between the really large departments where you get lost or where there can be sort of um, people who don't necessarily know or like each other too much, um, but big enough to have sort of that expertise. And the faculty are really an impressive set of both scholars and teachers. I think that that's a really strong characteristic of Indiana State is that um, we all care about both our scholarship and our teaching also not something you get at a lot of other places. Um, so people are as likely to be spending time figuring out how to connect more with students and more effectively with students, and then bring our scholarship into the classroom um, as well. This is a wonderful opportunity that Indiana State has since we're pretty flexible in the kinds of things we teach. Um, so I, I find it an intellectually um, vibrant department, which is wonderful for us, and I think spills over for the students, and then a personally supportive department, both amongst the faculty and between faculty and students. As far as studying history, so that's the that's all the wonderful things about Indiana State. Um, as far as studying history, I think David is right. I, I always I, I was an advisor for undergraduates and. I used, to, I used to always say to them, it's going to be harder to get your first job and it's going to, you're going to have a much better career because history prepares you to have a career rather than to have a job. Um, and so, yes, you have to struggle for that first job a little bit more than your you know, marketing colleagues <laughs> at Indiana State. Right. But over time, you as a history major have prepared yourself so much more effectively to be flexible, to respond to challenges, to you know work both independently and in groups, all the kinds of things um, that are necessary for success in the world. So that's, I, I believe that myself. I mean, I ended up as a professor, but that was by no means a guarantee of my life trajectory. Um, and, and as a history major, as an undergrad, I had, lots of opportunities when I finished college of different kinds, um, starting at the bottom, but with clear paths to work my way up. So, Right. And I, I agree wholeheartedly with you on that. I mean, I, I obviously went to law school after I was done at Indiana State. And when I got there, a lot of my classmates that were not history majors 
struggled a lot with the reading and writing that was required, and, and I was very used to it just based on the amount that was required while we were at the History Department in Indiana State. So I, I think it's a great department, and it's a great asset to Indiana State. Um, David, is there any... Uh, and I know, as I said, you're not a traditional student as what... Um, as to where you want to lead, that you went to Indiana State just so you could learn. Was there a, a, a class that sticks out in your mind, a professor that sticks out in your mind, an experience that well, has really well, stayed Dr. with you? Foster's class. <laughs> <laughs> I was really, was really setting, setting you up, up for that one. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's, what's nice about, like, the as I said earlier, like, the classes, they build. You know, like, world empires that Dr. Foster taught wasn't a standalone class. It, it dealt with all my American, European, African history classes that I took. They all, you know, you can use those classes to build on other classes. Um, and I, I found like, I didn't find a, a really bad professor that I, that I had taken. I, I've, I, most of my professors I took two or three classes. The, um, uh, even say like, if there's a lot of work, um, Dr. Clark has a has a lot of work in his class, and a lot of people are scared of that. <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are scared of that, right? But like, I next semester took him again because he's such a great teacher, such a great, you know. And everyone has their own unique teaching styles, but as um, Dr. Foster said, they're not just great academics. There are some great teachers, and they make you really want to do the work and learn. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane, but I, if I'm going to just say, like, the, my first semester, I, um, I wasn't sure I could do the writing. You know, with my brain injury, I wasn't sure that I could do this, and I had um, uh, uh, Dr. Hunter, I believe, for uh, modern Middle East. And that was my first 400-level class, and it was all on the board and writing and papers. And he said, you know, like there were two A's and a bunch of F's. And I'm like, well, I got the F, and I'm done. I'll never study history because I don't know if I can do this. And got the A, and then I just kept rolling, you know. So I, I remember it, the experience of his classroom quite well. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> and it, it, it's, you know, everything built on everything. And if I look at one class, I say, oh, yeah, that was my favorite. I look at another, that was my favorite. I can't even pick a favorite. I thought they all built upon each other, and I, I really learned something and enjoyed each style in every every class. Well, great. That's wonderful. And, and Dr. Foster, I kind of asked the same question of you. Was there something in your undergrad, was there a, a professor, a class, some memory, or even in grad school that kind of stuck in your mind? and made you want to continue in academia or, or, or wanted to, you know, ultimately be a teach or ultimately to teach in college? Well, so I had this kind of weird experience with my undergrad in that I applied to colleges in the spring, you know, in the fall of my senior year, and then I didn't get any financial aid at any of the colleges I applied to. And so I couldn't go to any of them. <laughs> um, so... Uh, and I was living in Tennessee then, and I was not that keen to go to the University of Tennessee, so I hope there's no volunteer fans out <laughs> there. Um, and so I reapplied to colleges 
that spring and ended up at American University in Washington, D.C. For a weird reason, I qualified for aid there um, and so could afford it. And so I had, but as I said, I was thinking I was going to be a diplomat, but I couldn't go into their school of international service because it, it didn't have any openings by the time I applied. So I had to declare a history major as sort of a backup, I thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I took a class my first semester called Other Wars, uh, Cold Korean and Vietnam Wars. And this, I thought, well, this will be good for a future diplomat to take this. And then when I get a decent grades this semester, I can switch over to my real intended major. And that class, um, so I was thinking of that because of what David said about the two A's and the two F's. So that class, I was a freshman, the only freshman in the class. It was mostly juniors and seniors. And even some grad students were in there. Um, and... The first paper we had to write, I don't, you know, I just wrote a paper. I was a freshman in college. I didn't really know. And the professor comes in with the papers to hand back, and he says, amongst the undergraduates, there were only two A's. And I thought, oh, my gosh. <laughs> What's going to happen to my good GPA <laughs> to let me transfer <laughs> colleges? And he um, handed back, and I, I had one of the A's, although it was really an A-. minus. And <laughs> in retrospect, not really that well-deserved. But... Um, but th that professor really opened my mind to thinking about history in a different way. You know, from high school, we often think about history as sort of learning some facts and responding to whatever the teacher tells us. And he encouraged me to think about it much more interconnected. So he would mm -hmm. ask questions in class that prompted you to go, you know, connect whatever you're talking about to some other thing, some other part of the world. Um, some other part of history and I saw this is really a way of thinking about everything um, so I didn't give up my dream of being in the foreign service but I kept my history major um, alongside my international studies major uh, and that that sort of started me on the path um, and then that person was my mentor until he died which was uh, two years ago he, he remained an important mentor in my life so that personal relationship also is really important Great. And David, um, as um, with most, uh, you know, quote unquote, non-traditional students, can you explain or share it? You said you're married, you have two children, how you balanced life at home with, you know, going to Indiana State and studying history? Well, you just don't sleep much. Um, <laughs> well, you know, um, my wife's a, uh, a school counselor here for the middle school, and I've got uh, a daughter in college and a son that's going to be a senior in high school. And so, I mean, he's active in sports, uh, you know, and, and uh, so we're always busy. Um, but, like, there's a, there's a phrase we use in the infantry. It's just embrace the suck. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you just, you know, like when you got to write a paper, if you're up at three in the morning writing a paper, you're, you're up at three in the morning writing a paper. You just I'm going to start using that in my career. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, I'll get you a shirt, you know. It's, <laughs> yes, please. Know, just embrace the suck. Enjoy it. So, like, there would be times, like, I'd have a 10 or 15-page paper due, and I wouldn't start it till the night before and just do it all night long to see if I could do it. And, yeah, I usually did. So. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell did. people that, David. <laughs> oh, you know, you've done it, Dr. Foster. I know. <laughs> You're right. 
I, I have to admit, I did the same thing in undergrad and law school. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and Dr. Foster, I'll kind of pivot to you on that, especially during this uh, viral outbreak as most universities such as Indiana State have moved to uh, e-learning or, or learning online. How have you been able to um, balance that you know, as Indiana State has pivoted to that, uh, doing that at home. Uh, if you have children at home that are also in school, or can you can you give some of your insight into that? Well, I do want to just a little bit bounce off of what um, David just said because you know the fun thing for me also about teaching at Indiana State is we have students who have kids who are our kids' age or older, and we have mm-hmm. you know like all kinds of different um, connections, and so you know. Uh, David's kids are pretty similar in age to my kids, actually, um, and that that I think that was a fun sort of connection that you can make that's not common for professors oh, yeah. to have with their yeah. students. You know, usually you're having your students be so much younger than you. So I, I've enjoyed that part about it, too. Um, yes, the online learning has been interesting for me because I have a high school junior and a college junior who had to come home. Um, and so we're all here in the house trying to <laughs> share the bandwidth and, you know, we have the daily scheduling of who has their online sessions when and making sure we, you know, don't step on each other's toes and, um, and you know, but it's also not the kind of learning any of us really want to be doing, um, even though we all are grateful for the opportunity to be, you know, safely at home doing a job that keeps us from exposure to things um, and grateful to have me to continue to have a job um, and not have to be worried financially and those kinds of things. So it's, it's been challenging and also uh, challenging sort of in the house, but then our ISU students are so diverse in their experiences and, and then the challenges that they face in this time. And that's been the, really hardest thing is some of my students are facing such severe challenges um you know in their lives so it it that that's been really hard to to not be able to see them and help them with that mm-hmm. and uh, tell us dr foster is there any kind of uh, uh when you're not teaching is there a special project you're working on right now and if you are working on something right now, why does it matter now? Why does someone who, either a student who's coming into the history department or someone who is is not a student uh, would pick it up, why is it important to them or why does it matter to them? So my research is on um, the history of drugs right now. Um, So it's interesting because, so I mostly look at sort of um, international regulations about drugs in the late 19th and through the middle of the 20th century. But of course, I used to be able to easily talk about connections to really critical current events um, related to Uh drug trafficking and trade and laws and things like that. Um, And now that that seems oddly less significant (laughs) on its face in the midst of this pandemic, um, partly because there's the drug traffickers apparently are also having a really hard time trafficking their drugs in the, <laughs> in the current environment. Um, I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's interesting there. It, but because there's so much less international traffic, 
their their attempts to tra- traffic drugs stand out more. Um, and the same thing is happening with street level drug dealing in that people are not out on the streets. And so if you are out on the streets, um, it's easier to perceive you. Um, so, th- so that's kind of interesting side effect of the pandemic. Um, but I think, I think as far as um, trying to say like, how does this continue to matter to us? I mean, there's, there's one thing is that this is a temporary event. Um, right, the pandemic will end. And so we don't want to lose sight of all the other things that we need to continue to pay attention to, whether sort of the negative-ish thing that I study, which is how to, how to think about drug trafficking and the problems and limitations and ways to stop drug trafficking, but um, also positive things um, in our lives, right? So we don't want to lose sight of the importance of the other kinds of, be- the beauty of creating history or creating opera or creating hip hop or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. All those things remain equally important and we should not lose sight of them. So I guess I would, you know, we, there's immediate uh, connections that one might draw to certain kinds of studies, but then also we need to, our humanity is based on us continuing to do the things that are important to us um, and try to make space for those. That's great. And I think, and you're, you're correct. I think a lot of people need to hear that, especially now with, you know, so much of our wavelengths muddled that it, to hear something like that, I think is very useful and very needed. Um, and to kind of wrap up uh, this episode of the podcast, I wanted to end on something, you know, fun uh, for our audience. So David, when you're not learning to be a new uh ISU graduate, when you're not helping your kids out, what's something that you like to do for fun? What's something that you do to kind of take your mind off of the pandemic, your mind off of, you know, schoolwork, of Dr. Foster's, <laughs> all of her homework? I do uh, a lot of a- activities. I, I like, I ride motorcycles a lot. I have a cool British sports car that I, I race car, oh, wow. skydive. I do all kinds of ridiculous fun stuff the adrenaline filled stuff you know but really i just like working with my hands i like getting in the garage and taking an engine apart or something like that you know well, great david has oh. the best cars of any history student i've ever seen <laughs> pretty cool it's a pretty cool car it is you didn't drive it to campus now did you oh every oh, yeah, day i drive <laughs> i drive Either, it was either that or the motorcycle, one of the motorcycles, yeah. Oh, well, great. And, and, and Dr. Would, Foster... He would even drive it in the snow, I believe. So yeah, I'm why not? impressed by that. Why not? <laughs> Sometimes we'll get summer tires on because it slid around a little more, made it more fun. <laughs> and, and Dr. Foster, I'll kind of ask you the same question. What is there? Is there anything you do hobby-wise or something to kind of take your mind off of uh, everything? So now you're going to make me look really boring, but that's probably appropriate. <laughs> um, so I, I um, do all kinds of more, more domestic things, I think. Um, I'm gardening right now. Um, my dad and I have a community garden plot, so we're growing stuff, and um, that's a big thing for us. And we're doing a lot of, you know, we're like the stereotypical family that we're doing a lot of baking so <laughs> I happen to have already had yeast, which apparently was a hot commodity. Um, and so we've had 
focaccia and challah and um, we've made our own pita bread and <laughs> all kinds of things in this house. So I have to also, that means exercise a lot. <laughs> so those are my main things that I've been doing. Your children are going to be awesome, you know, uh, chefs by the time this exactly. is all over with. <laughs> well, only one of my children, actually, the other one is mostly the consumer and not the maker. <laughs> Um, well, uh, to both of you, I wanted to thank you for uh, participating in this podcast, and as, uh, as I said in the beginning, just to, to honor uh, our graduating seniors such as David and to highlight the wonderful faculty such as yourself, Dr. Foster, that we have here at Indiana State. So, David, congratulations. Uh, I, I know this is not the traditional graduation uh, that you know we all anticipated, but uh, congratulations. And we thank you. Uh, wish you, I wish you nothing but the best in the future. And Dr. Foster, thank you again. I know I we were talking beforehand. I never had you as a professor, but I've heard nothing but good things. So we uh, we do appreciate all your hard work as well. So thank you both very much. Thank you. All right, and we will uh, see uh, you all on the next podcast. Thank you guys very much. Thanks. Sycamore's Making History is made possible by the support of the Indiana State University Department of History. Music provided by Tim Hawkins, programming by Steve Stofferin, and technical advice by Lori Henson and Martin Collins. Thank you for listening. <laughs>